everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth, and this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. I'm praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning to all our friends sauntering around the world. Here we are. We are sauntering again today. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Big challenging chapter. Just want to say this. Let's get it out there. I'm sorry about last night, everyone. It looked so good didn't it to start with and very very disheartening and disappointing so I'm really sorry Fran and anyone else who would have been heartbroken disappointing anyway here we are life goes on and we are children of another kingdom so uh, here we go Lord Jesus we welcome you this morning and we thank you that you love us that your face is shining towards us and we welcome you, we welcome your glorious presence into our homes and into our lives and wherever we're listening from today. Lord Jesus, bless us and Lord bless everyone we come in contact with today in Jesus' name. I'm going to say good morning to a few. Here we go. Good morning, Sky and Buenos Dias Floor. We love you guys. Great to see you. So again, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a big chapter in the sense that it's kind of challenging. In fact, most of (laughs) this book is challenging, so it's a good one to be reading. And so Paul kicks off, he says, It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and that of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. Wow. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Now, wow. Paul is, he's been kind of winding up, ready for the punch. And here it comes, Badoom. He's confronting this issue of sexual immorality within the Corinthian church. So let me just say this, sexual immorality, the word there is porneia, the Greek word is porneia, and it really is used in the Bible, in biblical Greek, to mean anything that is a sexual relationship outside of God's intention for the sexual act, if you like, which is within marriage of a man and a woman. Now, obviously, in our day and age, as was the case in Paul's day and age, every different version of sexuality that could be imagined was going on, is going on now, and was going on then. And so Paul is saying, now listen, guys, this 
thing that's going on among you is something that not even the pagans consider sleeping with your stepmother. That is so wrong. And it's, of course, out and out condemned in the book of Leviticus. It's It was illegal to sleep with your stepmother. And Paul's saying, come on, guys, this this is really obviously so wrong. And he's saying, but there's something wrong with you because you are proud and arrogant and you are puffed up. You think you're great. And you remember in the previous chapter, he was saying, you are kings. You know, you've become these wonderful, successful people. And he says, here you are strutting your stuff and kind of going about thinking you're really successful. And yet you tolerate this sin among you in the church. He said, this is something even the pagans would raise their eyebrows at. And so Paul's saying you need to, you should actually be grieved over this and you should be dealing with it in a way where this person, if they're going to continue in this behavior, is actually removed from the church community. Now, this is an interesting thing because we're going to get into all kinds of hot water where we think about, is it loving and all this kind of thing, right? Let me just say this, first of all, that if we tolerate something that God says is sin, we are proud. Therefore, the whole pride movement, which we see parading through our streets now and we see flags on NHS buildings and on cruise liners celebrating the whole pride movement, it is rightly named pride because what they're doing is they're saying we love this kind of sexuality, we want to promote it, we do not want it to be considered to be something illicit and kind of private and secret, we want to trumpet it and make it big and celebrate it on the streets and teach it in the schools and kind of fly the flag from our hospitals and all this kind of thing and so because it's something that God says is wrong out clearly God says these things are wrong um, then to promote these things is to stand up against God and we are elevating our own opinions above God's and what God has said therefore that is pride so we can be a very humble person superficially and maybe we think we're really humble and yet if we're promoting something and standing up for something that God says is wrong then that is pride and arrogance and so Paul says listen to yourselves you are proud you are proud you're puffed up you are arrogant now we have double speak we have two words pride and arrogance and we think oh no it's okay to be proud because we're proud of England's achievement in the the Euros although we didn't quite make it in the penalties sad 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 tears tears so we're proud of our achievements that's okay but to be proud of our sin and proud of our divergence from what God has said, our, 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 our transgressions, if you like, that is arrogance. It's saying, I know better than God knows. God says this, but I'm going to do this. Therefore, I'm elevating my own opinions, my own preferences above what God says. 
Now, I know there are theologians who will argue the toss about whether we should love people and how that is expressed and all the rest of it. And this is obviously important, but this is something very clear that Paul's saying here. He says, this is such an obvious thing. You should have dealt with it. And so he goes on. He says, for though absent in body, verse three, I am present in spirit. And if and as and and sorry, for though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. So what Paul's saying is, listen, I don't need to be there to tell you that this is wrong. I'm with you enough. I'm hearing enough and I'm with you in spirit. That that also is being twisted and meant to use as an excuse for not showing up. Paul's not making an excuse for not showing up saying, oh, I'm with you in spirit, brother. He's actually saying, look, listen, this is so obvious. This is just a really simple, clear cut issue. You should have dealt with this. It, 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 I, I can deal with it even from home. I don't have to come into work to tell you that's wrong. And so he says, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. And now he tells them what to do. He says, verse four, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present. This is an interesting thing that he's saying when my spirit is present with you. He's saying, like, I'm going to be right there with you, cheering you on in this, even though I'm not physically there. So he says, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, because they knew about the power of the the Lord Jesus being present in their meetings. So he says, "When, when in that moment, when the Lord is with you and you're gathered together, And I'm with you here in spirit. He says, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. (laughs) This is not, this is not, doesn't sound friendly, does it? It doesn't sound loving and inclusive. Paul's saying, listen, this person, what they've done is so obviously wrong. They need to be removed from the community of believers he's not saying stone them to death or kill them or or any other thing that people may have tried to make it mean in the past he's saying get them out of from among you and stop sharing all of the covenant meal together and take sharing communion together and be in family together with this person they need to be actually removed from among you and he says so you're to deliver this man over to satan what what paul's saying is let this person if they want to continue in their sin they're effectively saying i've chosen i've Change my shirt. I'm no longer playing for Italy. Um, for England, I'm playing for Italy. I'm no longer playing for God's team. I'm playing for Satan's team. So let them put on Satan's team shirt. Let them go with Satan's team. Let them live in that experience and follow that decision through and experience the consequence of being outside of the church family. And and hopefully in that process, there will come a time where they realise they've made a big mistake and will come back. So this is what he says. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved 
in the day of the Lord. He's saying, let him just go with that decision that he's made, but you can't be partnering with it. The man has made a choice. He doesn't want to listen to you when you bring correction. So let him go ahead, live with that choice and experience the consequences of it. And hopefully in the process of that, Satan will expose himself to this man and he'll realize that actually he was much better off following Jesus and that he'll repent and come back. Now, now in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, it says that no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness for those who've been trained by it. So no discipline is present at the time, but painful. It's meant to be painful. We set the child on the step because it's painful and they need time out and they have to be excluded momentarily from what's going on in the rest of the family so they can think about what they've done. And the, the whole point of the naughty step or whatever form of discipline you have in your house is to kind of separate for a moment that person who's disrupting and bringing pain and misery to the rest of the household gives them enough time to think. Now, what Paul's saying is sit them on the naughty step, put them outside of the church family, hopefully for a while. This is, so Paul's saying that he, this is good. He, Paul has got an end game in his mind. He's expecting this to be a process that brings this person through into true discipleship. Wow. Now, listen to this. Jesus, when he was walking with the disciples and Peter said to him, Jesus, you don't want to go to Jerusalem. You know, oh, you know, you don't want to. They're going to kill you there. And, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> so Jesus wasn't thinking, oh, I mustn't offend Peter. I mustn't hurt his feelings. Jesus was saying, Peter, this is in shorthand. Jesus is saying, Peter, what you're saying is not coming from you, you think it is, but actually it's coming from the devil. And you need to shut up, stop speaking on behalf of the devil. He's bad enough already without your help. And <laughs> this is my paraphrase, right? So now what Paul's saying is this influence that's crept in has come from the devil who wants to corrupt and destroy. He's a thief. Jesus said the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. This kind of relationship only steals and destroys. It takes away the glory that God intended for his church and it destroys relationships, brings all kinds of darkness into the church. And so Paul says, sort it out, guys. So how loving is that? Well, it's loving in as much as we're seeing that God has a purpose to keep his bride pure and he wants this bride to be holy and pure and spotless. And when there's destructive sinful influences in there for the love of the rest of the bride and for the love of God meant properly, 
we have to deal with these things sometimes. And being a leader in those times is no more fun than it is being a parent and having to sit your child on the step or take whatever it is away from them that they, they're hurting their sisters with or whatever. And having the screaming whatever of, you know. And so they're, they're very often, unfortunately, when we take this kind of decision, which thankfully isn't all the time, there's always, usually always some fallout there will be people who think what we're doing is unfair or unjust I've had to do it a few times I don't enjoy it I would I don't want to do it um but sometimes we just have to say listen if that's the way you want to live you're going to have to consider yourself no longer part of this church because it's not acceptable (sighs) Jesus help us remember what we said yesterday though judgment without grace is ugly (laughs) So we need grace, more grace, more grace, more grace. So verse six, it says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival Not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Right. What's Paul on about here? Now, if if you're a 20th century, 21st century person, talking about being a lump isn't exactly considered to be a compliment. And leaven, what is all that about? Well, if you're a baker and you bake bread, you've made sourdough, the leaven is the bubbly mixture of starter that makes the dough rise it helps the dough to ferment the modern way of doing it is to shove some yeast in there and you can buy it in a tin and you pop it in the bread tiny bit of yeast gets into the dough and makes it ferment makes it rise which is what gives it that glorious flavor and that nice texture which we love paul loves it this paul and he's saying, listen, you, you're boasting about yourself, but what you've become is you've become a loaf of bread that's been leavened. But the leaven is an influence that's crept in. And Paul's saying, look, there's a lesson here in the Old Testament, in the Passover um, festival, which would have been going on all around. They knew about the Passover festival, even in Corinth. It was very much part of Jewish culture, and there were plenty of Jews living in Corinth. And they would have seen the, they would have heard it. And it was in the stories that the Christians told in church. It was all part of their culture. So the idea of coming up to the Passover, they they went through the house with dad. And I think the little youngest child would look through the house and find the leaven that mum had hidden somewhere in a corner. They'd find this leaven, they'd throw it out in a little ceremony and then they would make bread with no leaven which was flat because it didn't rise, it was unleavened bread and they'd celebrate the Passover and Paul says listen this is a this is a picture about getting these influences out of your home. He says same thing Get it out of the church. It's not helping you. Now, of course, we know in our day and age that all across the world, really, the church has taken on bits of leaven. And there's lots of influences in the church that aren't helping us. And they're, it's not good. It's not been helpful. And so Paul's saying, listen, get this, deal with these influences 
sort it out and let's worship Jesus. Let's worship the Passover lamb. Jesus is the Passover lamb with a pure heart. He's not saying you need to all be flat. And uh, he, he's, saying, he's saying to get these influences out there and let's worship Jesus. When we take communion, when we share communion together, we're, we're kind of like almost celebrating the Passover every time we do it, really. And we're saying that this lamb, Jesus, was sacrificed for me to take away my sin. And I want the leaven of malice and evil that Paul's talking about here gone. And I want to worship him with sincerity. I want my heart to be pure. I want it to, what you see is what you get. I don't want to be puffed up, being prideful and holding things in my heart that are, are displeasing to God. So then he says, uh, uh, verse eight said, therefore, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in my letter. So he'd already written one letter to the Corinthians. We haven't got that one. Don't know where it went. Um... But that's okay because we got this one. He says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all, meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and the swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. So Paul's saying, listen, I'm not, I don't want, I've written to you telling you not to associate with the sexually immoral, but greedy and swindlers and everything else as well. But he says, I'm, I'm not talking about the people in the world. Otherwise, you'd literally have to die. You'd have to not be in this world because they're going to be all around you. But what he's saying is not in the church. There shouldn't be swindlers and greedy people in church. They need to if they're going to come to church and be part of that experience of God's grace, then there has to be. Obviously, there's a time and there's a process. But he says there's a process where we leave that stuff behind and the sexually immoral. Obviously, they need to come and hear the message and receive the good news that they can be changed. But the person who said, yeah, I'm a brother, I'm a brother, and really they're defrauding the tax man or whatever, these people, he said, get it sorted out, deal with it. The sexually immoral, deal with it. Wow, what fun. How challenging sometimes. And people, when we want to keep we want to say, yes, I'm a Christian, but keep our old standards and our old values. Paul say, no, this leaven has got to be dealt with. It's part of the process. And, and there is a conviction that comes of the Holy Spirit. And we can give people time. That's important. We give people time. We give people grace. But at the same time, there is that expectation and pastoral input to help people to to see now this needs to <laughs> this is something that needs to go and he says verse 9 he says i wrote you in my letter oh sorry but he says you you know it, we're talking about the church verse 11 but now i'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality porneia or greed or is an idolater reviler drunkard or swindler not even to eat with such a one so if you know someone's being fraudulent in their dealings and they're coming to church don't sit down and eat a meal with them (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> wow. He's saying, actually, this needs to be confronted. It, do it lovingly. Do it with grace. Don't do it. Paul said, like, in the chapter before, he said, don't do it coming at it like you're the great IT. With Come, come with humility. Allow yourself to be judged by the same word that you're bringing to other people. And you jolly well, as leaders, we better make sure if we're going to bring any kind of discipline in the church, we need to be bringing it to ourselves. It needs to be happening in my heart. Otherwise, all I am is a nasty, annoying hypocrite. And we don't like those. So here we go. So he says, don't even eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church who you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Paul being tough. This is Paul the Apostle using his authority, but he's already emphasised that he's judging himself by the same measure. And Apollos, they're all of the same heart and they're saying come on guys this church god's church is to be a holy church now it's not it's not something that gets you many points out there in the big wide world when you talk about holiness but um we know that without holiness no one will see the lord and god is god has chosen his church to be a holy people set apart with a completely different value system than the world paul remember yesterday paul was saying um about no in chapter three he's saying about being merely human being being human is not an excuse anymore we're new creations we've been joined to jesus himself the head and he's he's the bridegroom we're preparing ourselves for so we've got to get ourselves nice and cleaned up and that's what god wants that he can display his glory in his church so anyone who wants to talk to me about this i'm really up for it send me a message private message me um and let's talk or you want to pick up the phone and argue with me or discuss it with me that's fine so um but meanwhile i'm just going to say lord jesus will you help us lord is easy to become judgy and self-righteous and pompous we don't want to do that we don't want to stop loving people either we want to be full of grace but we also want to be full of truth full of grace and truth and so lord help us and help us to represent you well to each other and to the world let us be able to bring the good news without saying yeah just carry on doing exactly what you're doing lord jesus let us Bring, let us see that revolution that comes from the gospel in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Have a great day, everyone.